Welcome to Conflict Managed. I'm your host, Mary Brown. What do you think about when you think about hustle culture? Is it good? Bad? Useful? Damaging? Today on Conflict Managed, Rachel Burden talks with us about the effects of hustle culture in the hair and beauty industry. She discusses the importance of making mental health a priority, the benefits of having a boss that builds relationships and addresses mistakes with an eye toward the future, and the negative effects of passive-aggressive behavior in the workplace. Good morning, Rachel, and welcome to Conflict Managed. Good morning, Mary. I'm so happy that you're here this morning. Me too. I'm really happy that you asked me to do this. Well, can we start with you telling us about your work history? Yeah, so I've really only... As of now, I'm a hairstylist, and uh, I've done that for the past five years. And before that, I just kind of did some, like, odd jobs here and there. Um, It's funny. I applied for a lot of jobs, and no one would hire me. Don't know why. But, uh, you know, I did, like, some babysitting. I worked at, like, a summer camp for a little bit. And I've always kind of done, like, freelance makeup on the side ever since I was like in high school um and working in the salon industry there's you know there's a few different positions or jobs you could do like it just kind of depends on what dynamic is like works best for you there's not necessarily one that's better than the other but people like to say there is but because you really like the two big ones are like booth rent and commission and I've done a little bit of both and neither one of the neither one is better than the other uh it just you know whatever is working best for you for that time in your life because I think they both have pros and cons but like I said I've done both uh and I'm actually I'm what I've done is leave I've left commission to go do booth rent again I did that like when I first started out doing hair, I did that, but it wasn't for me at that time. I was, I was young, you know, and it's hard. It's like when you're doing booth rent, you're your own boss. So that's difficult when you're like 21, you know, like that's hard when you're really young, but, uh, but yeah, that's, that's all, that's all the history there is, I guess. Tell me about your summer camp experience. What was that? What were you doing? So I grew up going to a summer camp. It's actually here in like Tennessee over close to Camden and Eva. And I grew up going there and I always loved it. And I became like certified to be a counselor when I was like, I was young. I was like 15, maybe 16. And I did a couple weeks. I didn't, that didn't last very long. I just did a couple weeks of it. And I think if I were to do it, I was young. I was like 16 and the the uh, campers were like 13. And I don't think they realized that I was only like three years older. Than them. <laughs> like, I wasn't much older than them at all. So I think I didn't have like, like I, I definitely didn't have enough confidence in myself to be doing a job like that. Because that is not an easy job. That is, I mean, it wasn't like I, I had a good experience doing it, but I mean, anything working with kids is not easy. And doing camp counseling, I had a co-counselor, but you're with them 
from sunup to sundown and you're like you know if they die that's on you but it's it's just not a lot of pressure but you know it's just a that's a lot that was a hard job but uh it wasn't i definitely didn't have a negative experience but at that time i was like eh, i don't think this is something i want to like pursue more but i think if i were older like if i would have done it when i was like 18 or 19 ish i probably would have done better at it i guess but it was good i liked it you know you've mentioned twice now um perspective and age and i think that's so true what suits us at one time what's difficult or maybe even what works for us does at that time it is hard uh, because maybe of where we are in life or the skills that we have or what we think is valuable. And as we get older and perspective, different perspective and our desires change, uh, what was hard at one time becomes easy or um, easier, or we just think about it in a different way. I think that's really important to think about that. Hopefully all of us are in the process of developing and growing and who we are now is not who we were when we were 16 years old yeah it is uh, that's very true and that's that's something I you know I guess I gotta tell myself because when I switched from booth rent the first time to commission a lot of people were like why'd you do that uh, whatever people have a lot of opinions about that but uh you know I was like this is just what's working for me now and like it's what I I needed that structure and I needed that that whole dynamic was just what worked better for me at that time. And now that's, I mean, that's been five years ago. So, you know, you, you mature a lot from like 21 to like 26, I would say. But, Absolutely. Uh, and I like have experience now in the, in that workplace. Like it's, it's very overwhelming. People, people, I don't, I don't know if people think doing hair is easy, but it's very much not to be good at it. It's not anybody can do it, but it takes, you got to do it to do it. Well, it's not easy at all. And, uh, when you first start out, not only do you not know what you're doing, you also don't know how to do, don't know how to talk to clients, don't know how to run a business. Like it's just, it's so much. And I was very blessed to have the opportunity that I did to work at or to do commission because that was a that gave me a chance to like get my foot in the door and have education opportunities and you know it just it just worked for me but everybody's so different you know everybody's different when i think of the hair industry i think it's terrifying i mean Every client, you have the potential to sneeze or to overprocess, underprocess. To, I mean, talk about people's opinions. Everybody has an opinion. Yeah. You know, it's like that's not how you did it last time, or that's not yeah. how this other person did it, or is there something wrong with this color, or they want to talk oh, about politics, yeah. or they, you know, want to talk smack about somebody else. It's like you have to you have to wear a lot of different hats, and it is it's not for the faint of heart. Like you've got to. Which I mean, like, like I tell people are like, oh my gosh, your job is probably, you know, people are probably so terrible or whatever. And I'm like, really, the the public demographic that we're dealing with 
or at least that I should say that I deal with is like 99.9% amazing. So like the percentage of clients that I have dealt with that are not amazing is so small that it, the good definitely outweighs bad. But of course there's always stinkers, you know, but, uh, now, I should say here that Rachel is my hairdresser, so I hope I fall in the 99%. I hope I'm not that outlier. The one per- the 0.1% I'm talking about is Miss Mary. I've come on here to expose her. <laughs> but, but really, you know, like, like I always say, like, oh, people that work at like a hospital, that is working with the public and like you're working with the public at their worst. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, that's not that the people are the worst but like no what you know people at the hospital they're like at their worst they're not happy to be there it's not an inherently positive that you know when people come get their hair done they're like looking forward to it and excited and like you know it's just it's just different but like when you asked me to come on here I was like oh like conflict manage like this the, the job that I do has a lot of different ways there could be conflict like in the commission salon setting you have a boss you have coworkers, a lot of coworkers, and you also have clients like it's not you know it's a it's it's a lot of different like directions that conflict could arise yeah absolutely and uh trying to keep all those as you said hats you know <laughs> what kind of relationship right like uh who are you working for and who's working for you and um trying to keep all of those sorts of, of lines of communication open i want to mm-hmm. go back to something that you said about the hospital right so people obviously you know nurses and doctors and all the staff at the hospital they see people mostly at their worst days and unless they're mm-hmm. in the maternity ward and yeah, yeah. um uh and obviously those are huge big important jobs but when i think about hair hair means so much to people, you know, their hair, Mm -hmm. how they feel about themselves. Um, And not everybody, of course, but it is very personal. And many of us are, you know, trying to achieve, especially in a very image driven society, Mm -hmm. making peace with our hair, trying to make it do something or feel a certain way with makeup or, or nails or whatever aspect. And so I see hairdressers, as um, very playing this really important role within our society mm-hmm. and, and uh, it's an important role. And they say that during depressions, that one of the industries uh, that um, don't seem to take Doesn't much of a suffer. dip, right, are, are hairdressers. That's what I've always heard. And I mean, even throughout like COVID, uh, I mean, gosh, we were, we that didn't really hurt us. I mean, of course, there there's there's divots all the time, but that's not, that's not a exclusive to, to a recession or the economy, you know, that just kind of happens. But yeah, I mean, I think the, the last time I made a, like the most money I've made in a week was probably the week we came back after COVID. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I remember I had this client and cause we weren't allowed when COVID hit, we were allowed to work for, it was like two months, which is, a, I mean, it's a, like other States, it was like, six months to a year so we were very blessed but you know two months is a while and we just never knew when when we were going to be able to come back but uh I remember this client she was like uh very upset that we were you know not 
that we were uh, following the CDC's rules in the middle of a pandemic. But she was like, I was like, well, she was like, I just don't understand why you guys can't work. You know, like, I, just, I, don't, I don't understand it. And I was like, well, you know, I mean, we're not like, you don't need this to live. Like, yo, let's just say it. Like, I know this is how I make my money, but like, this is a luxury, non-necessity. And she was like, no, yes, it is. People need this to live. Yes, they do. You know, she was like, yeah, they do. I was like, okay. You know, it just like that, that showed, showed me a lot of, of how people, how much people really care about that. And they always say at like hair shows or classes, like you, you hear people say that we're day makers and people are going to come back to you based more on how you've made them feel while you were while they were in your chair as opposed to like how much they actually liked the service like obviously that's part of it but like it is it's it's a lot more than just doing hair but uh but I love it it's great it's a great job that's wonderful to be in a profession that you love you know what you said just then um is really the wave of business and the future it's in business, uh, for a long time, it was like, people are lucky to have a job. This is a very top-down way that we're doing things. But when we think about a people-centric work environment where people feel um, included, they feel belonging, they feel cared for, people will stay at the organization and will buy from an organization based on how they feel, right? Products have to be there. It's, it's, it's not one or the other, right? You can't just mm-hmm. be all touchy-feely and kumbaya and your product mm-hmm. suffers, um, but it can't just be, I've got this best product and I treat everybody awfully, right? Mm-hmm. I think we're seeing that played out right now in Twitter, right? Twitter might be, for those people who use it, this wonderful product, but it might become, at least at this moment, who knows what happens in the future, mm-hmm. unpalatable given um, the demands, certain reasonable demands put on the workforce. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of talk about your generation. You are smack dab in your 20s. And uh, I hear all the time people talking about um, your age demographic and what you guys are like to work with and uh, what you want out of work. So what do you specifically, not that you have to speak for everybody in their 20s, but Rachel, what Mm -hmm. do you want out of a work environment? Well, I feel like uh, I I am, I'm kind of, I'm like a young millennial old Gen Z. So I'm like right in the middle. So I relate to some, some Gen Z things. I relate to some millennial, you know, but I think one thing, and especially in the beauty industry, they call it, have you ever heard the term hustle culture? Mm-hmm. Have you heard that term? Yeah. I have. Like that is a big thing or has in past years been like a really big thing in the beauty industry and a like hairstylist specifically is that you've got to like basically kill yourself and work yourself just to to the to like as much as you can like when you first start out kind of like paying your dues you know do that and then in a few years like once your clientele's built up then you can be like okay I don't want to work Saturdays I'm not going to work late nights anymore blah 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 um and just kind of sacrificing your own mental health and peace and like well-being 
to put your job and your clients and everything else ahead of that. And that's okay if you want to do that, but that people are started to realize that that's 100% not the only way that you could be successful in this industry. And it's just, you know, and there's also a lot of burnout in this industry, lots of burnout where people might do it for uh, a year, two years, even five, and then they, they get burnt out because they literally work themselves to the point of burnout and, and you know, cause they think that's the only way. And uh, I mean, I've even, I've got, I've, I'm, I guess I'm, I don't know. I wouldn't say I'm a workaholic, but I enjoy my job. So I do do a lot and I, cause I like it and um, I enjoy putting a lot into that. So that's, that's just me, but I have to keep myself from doing too much. I have to like set boundaries with myself to make sure because I've experienced like that burnout feeling like at one point I was like looking into other careers like I'm gonna do anything else I ain't going back to college you know I don't know that was that was just a funny joke but uh you know I mean even me who's someone who absolutely loves the job and everything about it I've experienced the burnout so that that gives people a lot of a bad taste when it comes to this industry and then they go do something else or whatever and uh and it's just not necessary. It's just not necessary to do that. There, there are other ways to go about it that will keep you from burning out and keep you like being consistent and keep enjoying your job. Like there's just, there's no, it's just not necessary. People have realized, I feel like, especially with my generation that you, you know, it's kind of the, what is the saying? Uh, live to work work to live not live to work Mm -hmm. uh people are people are realizing that and uh I think you know the all talk about mental health and stuff like um how important it is and how you know at the end of the day is sacrificing your mental health for a for any job really worth it and I mean I would say no uh and I feel like that's, I feel like mental health has a lot to do with it because this, my generation ha- is, has started like to value it more. And I mean, we know more about it now than we ever have. Whereas like my mother and father's generation, you know, they, they don't, they just didn't know. And, uh, but I feel like that's something you see a lot with this new generation of or my generation of like employers or employees and uh, people just seeing how the things were done a certain way for so long that it's like, why change it? You know, but Mm -hmm. I feel like my generation's kind of like, well, why don't we do it this way? You know, questioning things and be like, well, why do we have to do that? You know, but am I still going to work 50 hours a week? Yeah, probably. But that's just because I'm like, yeah, I'll fit you in. <laughs> Whatever, you know. But, I, like, uh, I like what you said about um, people having options, right? And so is hustle culture the only way to do it? When you are running your own business, does that mean you have to work, you know, 24-7 or whatever it might be? 
And some people might answer, well, yeah, I mean, that's just what it takes. If you don't have that, then you don't want that job or you don't want to be an entrepreneur. Uh, And I think really the message is not one size fits all. There are a variety Mm -hmm. of legitimate paths to get to your goal and knowing what your goal is. And if, if that's the case, then we should construct our cultures, our work cultures backwards. Like if we want to say, okay, well, you're going to pick a lane. Um, and uh, I would definitely argue that uh, working too much um, or having somebody who's married to a job is probably not a good idea. Actually, you're going to probably, not all the time, get better ideas, be more rejuvenized, use your time more wisely if you have outside interests, outside mm-hmm. hobbies, that you don't need your work to be your family or your church or your everything. That's kind of a, I don't think it's to be encouraged uh, because for a variety of reasons. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if that's, uh, I would say it's not healthy. And I don't yet, think it is either. Yeah. And that is something that a lot of like, that 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 to me that's kind of what hustle hustle culture is that you're married to the job and that's above everything else and I mean that's just not that's just not a good you know a good way to be yeah. it may seem okay but then like I feel like in the long run it's just it you know it's just not good so have you heard um people talk about those you know the workers in their 20s as just they're not hard workers they're whiners they want everything handed to them they um come to work and they you know asking their employer to be like their mama or something like that have you heard things like that and what do you think about oh yeah well one time I was cutting this man's hair and he was telling me how people my age didn't want to work and I was like well I'm at work right now Uh, this is my I'm literally working right now so that just disputed your point but uh I don't know where that comes from I mean everybody I know that's my age is like pretty hard workers I think it's just because they don't like they don't want to take the the take they're not taking the same thing as uh as like the older generation has like they're looking at the job as like, whereas like before, I feel like maybe the the younger, the older generation, they looked at a job as like, oh, well, this job, I'm replaceable. I like this job. I'm here to like serve this job. And now it's the other way around. It's like, well, this job is disposable and replaceable. If it's not serving me, I can go find something else. Like, I know a lot of people say like, oh, nobody's like loyal, you know, and it's like, how is, if you're if you're not getting treated or paid fairly, why would you stay, you know, just because you've been there for 10 years, like, how is that, that job is not showing loyalty to you. So why should you, and they would also replace you in a second, you know, Yeah. but uh, I feel like people look at, instead of looking at what can this, what can I do for this job? What can this job do for me? And if it's not serving me, the way I need, then I can just find something, you know, Yeah, people will realize they have options. I think that's wonderful. I mean, yeah. And I think job employers need to realize that people have options and they say the best way to get a raise is to go to a new place. Mm -hmm. And I think, wow, well, if you want to keep that worker, 
And if we know that that's conventional wisdom, you want to race, go to a new place, get a new title, you know, get, that's how you work up. Well, if I know that, and I know the cost of hiring somebody, I mean, there's so many costs involved. Mm -hmm. Why not think about, okay, if it's going to cost me $5,000 to search this 10,000, whatever it might be, what if every year that person's there, they get that cost, you know, you're here for Mm -hmm. a year. If I had to search for you, it's going to cost me $10,000. You get $10,000. And then the next year, oh, okay. It's going to cost me X amount. I mean, it just seems to me there's a variety of things instead of saying, forcing mm-hmm. a person to leave to, so they don't just get a 2%, 3%, yeah. you know, and you shouldn't, you shouldn't have to like wave, be like, oh, well, this company's going to pay me more. Like, I feel like it shouldn't take that almost like a not like blackmail or like threatening but it's like if you don't give me this raise I'm gonna go over here you know like it's like you have to have that other to give them that's the only way they're to give them that incentive to to give you that raise is the only way they're gonna do it is they know for sure that someone else is gonna do it and they you know but uh yeah I don't I don't understand I mean I don't understand that and and I'm very much like a quantity uh, or a quality over quantity person mm-hmm. so like if I were a boss or whatever if it was a good employee I would rather give them the give the raise than have to go through the you know finding someone else because finding I feel like finding a good employee that is well suited for the position they're in and very good at it is not hard to come by but you know it's it kind of is yeah but and not everybody is, of course, driven by financial, um, you know, getting more and more money, but that is an important aspect of work. And, and also very important aspect of work is how people are treated. And so there's the job, how you're treated at work and how you're compensated and the whole compensation package. And so I think employers do the self a disservice if they say, oh, well, we pay well, but our environment is toxic or we mm-hmm. are so fun to work with. And this is so great, but you're not going to get paid what you ought to be paid. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it really, it, the, the best organizations are competitive, both in uh, a, um, an environment that encourages everybody to flourish and one where it's, you are paid fair market value for whatever skill um, that you have. Our grief the pay also contributes to like burnout or can contribute to burnout if someone doesn't feel like they're getting paid what they should or could somewhere else and you know that can that can really cause a lot of burnout when you feel like you're putting a lot in and not getting a lot back or the equal amount back so Rachel, when you think about the places that you've worked and your experiences, what strikes you as the best, either with a person or a place? And what was it that was so good about it for you? I feel like the best situation that I, or the best job that I've had so far, it was the best when I first started there. And as it changed, it changed in a way that wasn't like for me, but um, in the beginning it was uh, um, 
in the beginning I felt very like heard and like valued um and I was being taught a lot and I was not like put up on a pedestal but I got I felt appreciated and um that kind of dwindled as I was working there but it never got like it was it didn't just completely turn into like a super negative experience but it definitely that like that that part of it did kind of dwindle and I mean because other because of other not not even things regarding me just other things about the whole business changed you know uh that just that just changed and um the uh my uh, the boss that I had was very like consistent and she's a very great leader she was uh she had a she had a way of talking to you and like correcting or whatever you know if you did something wrong or whatever she had a good way of going about it that didn't make you it wasn't rude it wasn't mean it wasn't it was constructive Hmm. what I feel it was constructive like you didn't walk out of it thinking like feeling bad about yourself you walked out of it feeling good and feeling you know respected but uh in, in any conflict, you know, any conflict, and uh, I feel like that's something that you don't, that a lot of people don't, don't do well, and uh, but she had a she had a really good way of going about things, uh, without constructively, I should say. That is such a skill and a gift to work for somebody mm-hmm. who, first of all, will tell us when something's going wrong. Sometimes, uh, people don't have the ability to do that. They don't say anything. And then eventually nobody's happy. Right. And Mm -hmm. something happens, either someone gets fired or they just leave because they're not happy, but to be able to say, Hey, this is what's going on and do it in a way that you said that you felt good afterwards. Right. Mm -hmm. That's amazing. Um, Cause it hardly ever feels good to be told we're not doing something (laughs) properly or uh, you know, whatever it might be that, I mean, correction, this just doesn't feel good. And that's okay. I mean, we should expect, you know, our jobs are not there just to make us feel good. Um, But our jobs are also there, our relationships to encourage us. Because if you just demoralize someone, you're not going to get, they're not going to be their best because you've crushed them or you've demoralized them. But to be able to have a relationship, it sounds like she did these other sorts of things. You felt heard, listened, cared for. And when you set those sort of conditions, then someone can speak into your life and can say, mm-hmm. Hey, this is what's going on in a, in a constructive fashion. That's, that's great. And I remember she would, she would, we would like sit down and talk about it and she would be like, okay, so how can we like go about this differently in the future? Or what would you do differently in the future? You know, like she didn't just be like, you did this wrong don't do it again like she tried to help you and be like okay like let's let's see what where things went wrong here and how we can fix it you know it was it was not just a like oh don't do that it was you know she helped you but uh it was very I've, i've i've always felt it was very like constructive in the way she went about things that is great I mean 
in every organization, we uh, make mistakes and every organization there's problems. And mostly um, people just look at the past, they blame, they shame, um, they put you on notice or write you up mm-hmm. or whatever it is. And it's just, it's not constructive. Um, mm-hmm. But really what you want to do is, as you said, look at the problem, take it apart for the future. Like this is what happened in the past. My mom used to always say, and I loved this. Uh, if you ordered some food or a dessert and you didn't like it, you know, this idea, well, I got to eat it to get my money's worth. She's like, no, we already paid. You eat it. You don't eat it. You're, you know, it doesn't matter yeah, just yeah. because you ate it. You didn't get your money's worth because now you're sick. You know, so <laughs> yeah. you know, whatever happened, happened. And if you can use that to grow and look in the future, okay. And to imagine like to actually kind of workshop it. Well, what could you do if this happened again? And how, you know, and, and letting employees think about it, like, okay, well, what would I do that helps you imagine a better future? That's, that's wonderful. Yeah. I feel like she, she didn't, it was very much like a leader and not a boss. Like Mm. she wasn't up here and like separate from everybody. She was involved and in there with you, you know, that's great. Leading you instead of just bossing or, you know, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. I talked to somebody the other day and um, their boss is a boss, bossy, you know, bossing <laughs> her around. And I'm like, well, I don't know how much longer this person can stay there. Cause it, you know, that's, yeah, that's not, not, I mean, pe- nobody likes that. No, nobody, nobody, likes that. nobody likes that. I mean, so speaking of nobody likes, um, is there a particular instance with a, a colleague or a place that you worked or, um, you know, that was negative. Uh, and what'd you do about it? And why was it negative for you? So I think I said earlier, I've, I've, I really haven't, I'm very blessed, I guess. I haven't had any like just super bad negative experiences overall. Of course, there's been like little things that, I feel like have maybe grown into bigger things, but nothing just absolutely god awful, you know. But um, one thing that I've noticed is like a lot of, and this is literally with every job I think I've ever had, um, where I have a, a boss. Um, I guess you could call it like passive aggressive. Mm-hmm. Uh, Whereas, like, an example, I'll give you an example. Like, uh, Mary is not in dress code today. Um, So instead of going to Mary and saying, hey, Mary, like, maybe don't wear that again. You know, like, talking to you specifically because you're the one that's not in dress code. uh, They're going to speak to everyone as a whole and be like, we, we got to do better about dress code and it's like well I'm over here like I'm in dress code every day so why am I getting like reprimanded and mm-hmm. it's it's like and then the problem never gets solved like right. the, you know like it never does any doesn't do any good and um because Mary like, probably still doesn't know she's not in dress code because she's like oh yeah, yeah. exactly yeah they need she's to like be yeah in these dress other code. people need to get it. yeah <laughs> she's like what yeah y'all need to get in dress code what are you talking about and yeah that's it's and and it just keeps kind of going every now and then it's like hey dress code and it's like okay well I'm I'm, I'm in the dress code but there are other people that aren't and that's just a an example yeah. and 
I feel like they, I don't know. I mean, I guess they do that to avoid, they don't want people to feel called out. They don't want people, they don't want to like step on toes. But uh, like I was saying earlier, there's a way to go about things. You don't have to, to call them out. You know, like you could just talk to them and be like, hey, don't wear that again. That's not, go go over the dress code. Make sure they know what's expected of them. Yeah. Uh, stuff like that. Because and I don't like passive aggressive at all. I'm I'm a blunt person, and not in a bad way, but I just feel like nothing. You just when you just tiptoe around things and like, you know, beat around the bush. It's it's like we're just like wasting time. Like let's get to it. Like what's you know, but that doesn't have to be bad. I feel like that's necessary. But uh, that stuff like that, and and it's almost like an inconsistency, like uh, allowing allowing uh, some people to get away with certain things, like maybe not being in dress code, like ever. And whereas, like, if I came to work and wasn't in dress code, like I would get somebody would say something to me. Mm-hmm. But uh. So it's like, well, why am I, why am I going above and beyond to look a certain way for work when other people don't, you know, like mm-hmm. not, not having like equal enforcement to every employee. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think it's interesting what you said about passive aggressive. A lot of times people do it because they don't want to hurt someone's feelings. They don't want to feel like someone's called out. And yet I don't, I mean, most, I mean, maybe there's a very few people, but most, nobody likes passive aggressive behavior. You know, Mm -hmm. oh, I don't want to have to guess what my boss is thinking. Mm -hmm. I'd rather have a relationship where I know I'm okay. I don't have to guess unless you tell me if there's something wrong. I trust you will tell me if I have a problem, I will tell you. And that does not mean being rude. Absolutely not. It just means being an adult and having adult conversations. Passive aggressive also is in a way treats people as children as if they can't handle difficulties yeah right and if you're always treated that way and you're never given the chance then it actually slows our growth as Mm -hmm. persons and so it does nobody a favor you don't get the desired result so you're frustrated the other person doesn't get the message and they're frustrated because they they may know something's wrong but they don't know what it is Mm -hmm. um and so it just builds like this tension yeah yeah, we want and clear and direct communication. Yeah, and yeah, it's very clear and commun and and like I said, like there's not talking about difficult things doesn't have to be bad and like right. calling or you know talking to someone about dress code doesn't mean you have to call them out in front of like God and everybody and like embarrass them, you know? Right, right. Like, <laughs> it's just, uh, it's just things like that that I've noticed where yeah that's a small thing but like over time I feel like it gets old you know yeah this you know I hear a lot with conflict that um well this is smaller this is sillier this is petty and it's like no that's the mundane of life very Mm -hmm. few times do we have some person sitting in our chairs and all those young people, you know, that doesn't happen very Mm -hmm. often. But what does happen is those little barbs. And Mm -hmm. eventually we look around and we say, what's going on here? 
why, why are we not it really erodes it is like water drops of water it does, it does you don't notice it at first but it does erode but that's the most insidious stuff the stuff you don't <laughs> really look at because you are you know if you are um, a boss you've got 50 100 employees you know you are putting out all these different kind of fires you don't necessarily notice mm-hmm. uh, a little and that's why culture is up to all of us it's up to all of us to say, hey, this isn't working, or hey, what can we do so that we can have this environment? Um, it's not just up to whoever has the title of leader. We all can choose mm-hmm. to be leaders and, and keep the culture of the kind of place that we want. And that too, people people who feel like it's the boss's responsibility to like literally put out every single thing. And it's like, we are not, are we not all adults? Like, can we not work this? Like, we should be able to work things like this out ourselves. Yeah. We shouldn't have to have, you know, or I, I think, and, uh, you know, I feel like calling in like a boss or like something like that is kind of a last resort, mm-hmm. like, because it's, then it's escalated to like a higher thing and things get blown out of the port, you know, and it's when really the, that could have been resolved within, you know, internally to with whoever it was involved in, you know. Mm-hmm. So now that you've been in the hair industry for a, a time and you plan to do it indefinitely, uh, when you think about workplace culture and what you would like to see in the next 10, 20 years, uh, what, what do you think would be good policies or good changes in general um, so that people have uh, um, healthy work environments? Well, I think a lot of it is kind of, I guess, self-preservation because in the this job specifically, I shouldn't cover my mouth, uh, it can be extremely draining like and just not necessarily in a not like not necessarily in a bad way it's just kind of the job and um like I mentioned earlier like setting boundaries with employers with coworkers, with clients making sure that you're being uh clear in what you expect from people and make you know and they're being clear about what they expect from you and I think consistency is really important in a lot of different ways where when it comes to enforcing different things or on both ends of the of the of the spectrum you know a boss or an employer I feel like it's it's a definitely give and take but having that balance is important to where people don't get burnt out or feel unappreciated or feel unsupported um but um because if you're you know in in this industry if you're not if you're you can't give to other people if your glass is empty you know you can only do so much and I feel like in our industry as a whole like we're not putting ourselves like above everything else but like you people have started and are going to I think more in the future putting themselves as a priority and not putting up with stuff. Um, You know, a lot of people talk about firing clients uh, because if the client is like being rude, being whatever, causing you stress, 
uh, that could be avoided, you know, like, it's like, well, you don't have to do their hair. Like if, if they're, if they, if you have anxiety and like are stressed and like just, just dread anytime this client's on your book and you just like dread, you know, the whole day, you're just like dreading their appointment. It's like, well, you don't have, like, there is a reason you feel that way. And it's not necessarily your fault. And you don't have to put up with it. I mean, you just don't have to. Like, people are putting themselves, uh, at make, making themselves a priority and not just putting, not being so much of, like, people pleasers. But, um, and I mean, it, like, a, like I said, that, that uh, mindset is definitely changing the hair industry and it's already started. Mm. And, um, I think it's good. I mean, I think it's really good. That sounds positive. It sounds like it'd be very difficult in your industry, um, given the nature of your work, commission or um, uh, booth rental. I mean, it's still, I mean, it's the nature of your work. I think it would be difficult yet. I, I really welcome it and hope that your industry industry wise really talks about mental health. And it is this old adage of how are you supposed to be any good to anybody if you're not good to yourself, right? If you are, I mean, your job is physically demanding, right? And mentally it's artistic. I mean, it's, when you think about what a hairdresser does, I mean, it, it's really quite a demanding job constantly um, to keep straight and um, all the different components. And then the, the way, the structure of, um, how you get paid and and uh, and all of those different sorts of variables with clients keeping not keeping mm-hmm. and so on and so forth. But yeah, I um, having that kind of conversation individually and then sal- within salons and then um, in, a, in a more global capacity about setting boundaries and having mental health as mental health is for everyone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, Rachel, thank you so much for being with us today on Conflict Managed. Thank you. I appreciate it. This was really fun. It was a lot of fun. Take care. (laughs) Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you so much, Rachel, for your time. Conflict Managed is hosted by me, Mary Brown, and produced by third-party workplace Conflict Restoration Services. You can contact us at 3pconflictrestoration at gmail.com. Our music is courtesy of Dove Pilot. If there's someone you would like to see interviewed or questions you have for guests, please let us know. And remember, conflict is normal and to be expected. Let's deal with it. Until next time, take care.